Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and salutations, Hempsters. This is your Hemptrepreneurial host, Tyler Hemp with HempAware Radio, here to empower your hemposphere and focused on what's most important to you and your desires, your dreams, your visions, your goals. It's January 25th, 2017, as we're recording this show live. You uh, may be listening to a recorded version of the show, and if you are, thanks so much for your attention and for tuning in. Your time is, is most valuable. It's, it's, it's possibly the most valuable resource on earth, and I sincerely appreciate you investing it in raising your awareness about hemp, about the uses of hemp, the history of hemp. And uh, this show is dedicated to creating a paradigm shift in consciousness around the world. We're here to inspire, educate, motivate, and uplift you to utilize industrial hemp for your food, your shelter, your clothing, energy applications, healing applications, and thousands of other products that hemp can produce. And if our basic needs are met with this one plant, our food, our shelter, and our clothing, just imagine the amazing things that we can do with our lives and with our energy. So to listen to any of the past episodes, including today's show, visit the iTunes podcast library and just search the word HempAware, all one word, or you can tune in at HempAware.com forward slash radio. Before I introduce our very special guest today, uh, if you have any ideas about who you'd like to uh, have me bring on the show or any topics that you'd like me to cover on HempAware Radio, you can just send me an email at support at HempAware.com and I'll be happy to consider your ideas or your topics. It's most important that we focus on what you guys are interested in most. And now I'd like to introduce you to someone who has been behind the scenes uh, in the hemp industry. He's, he's a humble man. He you know, stays out of the limelight. Um, he definitely has his opinions, which are very well educated and based on experience. Uh, he's known as the hemp mayor, and he was mentored by Jack Herrer, and he's here today to share some insightful knowledge and wisdom about the hemp industry. And I'm sure you'll be stoked to learn about Adam Gower and uh, hopefully implement some of the things that we share with you today. So thanks so much for being on today's show, Adam. I appreciate your presence. Greetings. Thank you. Right on. So share with us a little bit about your background and kind of um, your expertise, what, what led you up to the hemp industry and, and how you were originally introduced to hemp? Well, as I was finishing out high school in Florida in the early 90s, I began working in sustainable commerce. I saw that recycling and waste materials and the things that we grew and did in America were enough for the building blocks of our sustainable future. And I learned about um, hemp through Jack's book and reaching out to Jack and becoming good friends with him and learning a lot from him and others who were paradigm during that time. And I was looking for ways to bring industrial hemp viably into the productions of the United States, which are still well entrenched today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right on. So you you uh, got mentored by Jack and you started doing research and, and I know you were one of the original hempsters back. I mean, you've been doing this since 1992. That's, that's a long time. So tell us yeah. a little bit about some of the original products that you were involved with and that you helped bring to the market. I always had my 
eye on the industrial volume products. So early on, we were spearheading hemp plastics and the various forms of the construction uses of hemp. But on the consumer side, I believe we were part of developing the first hemp skateboard, uh, some of the first industrial oils that could be used in paints and varnishes and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. Just there, there were and are so many industries that can input hemp. We were mm -hmm. doing it all back then. The MDF boards, wow. the crates, and um, the problem I found in general is that Americans haven't been purchasing the sustainable products to show the viability for more production. Yeah, absolutely. And we're definitely going to get into that. Today's show is titled Creating a Bridge to the Hemp Industry uh, with Adam Gower, obviously. And so we're, we're going to talk about something really intriguing and, and hopefully it's, it's a way that we can show the viability and the feasibility of a plant that, you know, can, can be a bridge over to the hemp industry. But before we get into that, I want to get a little bit more on the, on the intimate side and, and talk more about your mission, your purpose, and, you know, why you feel hemp is going to allow you to fulfill your mission and purpose in life. Well, when... When I first learned of, of the true value and abilities of hemp, I sought to just simply bring barrels of viable hemp seed to places where we could grow it around the world, let's just say Africa, and bring the seed to the people, show them how to grow it, and then show them how to turn it into products for life. And through realizing all that information, I realized how we could apply these various techniques anywhere around the world. And, and so my original mission was, like most, to save the planet and um, mm. bring health and wealth to the people. Mm -hmm. And it still is. Yeah, I, I truly believe that through community and cohesive conversation, we can glean or realize a better path forward, and um, still we can reach that, that utopia that most think about in a very quick time. Mm-hmm. And you feel that hemp is, is that vehicle to create that health and that wealth for the people in combination with conscious communication and, and uh, developing products for life. I love that. I do. Uh, hemp itself is so versatile and has such value to it that it fits in with the other solutions that we'll have um, developed. But hemp can and is a good base for that, that healing mechanism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you pretty much, I think, touched upon my next question in saying, you know, that you're really here because you believe that hemp can save the planet. And, and by saving the planet, ultimately what that means, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it means saving the planet from humans, <laughs> destroying it. <laughs> that because we're consuming products and, uh, you know, oil-based products that are so toxic to our environment, destroying our trees, our old-growth trees to produce paper, you know, producing toxic pesticide-rich um, cotton plants that, you know, just destroying our waterways and destroying our health and, and well-being, you know, on a physical level with our, our bodies, with it touching our bodies. Um, so I believe that hemp is that vehicle because it, 
basically replaces all of those things on, on, a, on a massive level. Um, and, you know, on that same kind of topic, what are, what, you know, what are some of your foundational principles that you live by or that, you know, you run in your operating system kind of in, on a daily basis? What are some of your life principles that you live by, whether it's, you know, with hemp or not? Well, I truly believe that every everyone is so very capable and valuable. And the the way that I try to treat people is that that they they can do whatever it is they say they want to do. Um, mm. Equality, you know, true equality where mm-hmm. everyone takes part and also reaps the benefits. Right on. So you, you really hold people to the expectations of they can do what they – in other words, if someone has an idea, hey, I want to I build the largest tent building in the world, you're like, you know what, it's totally possible and I'm going to support you. And you give them that Absolutely. equal opportunity to, to pursue that dream. Absolutely. Rather than, rather than building new systems, we take hemp and apply it to all and any systems that already exist. It fits right on in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I totally agree. So what are some of your favorite products? I know we discussed, you know, you were involved with some oil-based products for paints and varnishes back in the day. You helped um, create one of the original hemp skateboards. Um, what, what's some of, you know, modern-day hemp products that you see on the market today that you're most excited about? Well, it's always been the same for me. Um, the seed, whether it's hauled or toasted with the hull on it, um, perfect for the human body. And then mm-hmm. I love hemp socks as far as textiles. I love them all, but hemp socks are really special to me for numerous reasons. And then I love uh, hempcrete yeah, for mm-hmm. a filled wall or a shuttered style construction. Um, these three elements really encompass the whole of the plant and are, are truly building blocks for a sustainable future. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the mm-hmm. textile side, I love the hemp baggage and the hemp bags. These products I've had you know, 10 years or more, and they're still right. just making the grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the original things I think for hemp products was they don't wear out, they wear in. I just keep wearing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unless, the textiles just get better and better. Yeah. Uh, unless, you know, and I, I have seen some products on the market, like if they're blended with other natural fibers that are not hemp-based, they do tend to seem um, more likely to, you know, getting holes or uh, just wearing out a little bit quicker if it's blended with, like, you know, cotton, for example. Um, but there, you know, it's it's a benefit for you know a drawback. You, you get the softness and the comfortability of of the the cotton. Um, but you know, I I too am like totally fanatical about bags. I love being organized and putting things in their place. I have I can't even count how many hemp bags I have, and I, I love every single one of them. I, I totally agree. Yeah. So you have discovered something. And this is kind of going to be the major portion of our our talk today, which is this bridge to the hemp industry. You're among the uh, opinion that hemp, because it's so 
um, not readily available to the public on a massive scale or major corporations that, you know, we really don't have the numbers. We don't have the data. We don't have enough to really show the viability of what hemp can really do. I mean, obviously it's been grown for thousands of years, but only in the last, you know, maybe a couple um, decades or even since the early 1900s have records been shown of, of like, you know, crop um, yieldage and seed yieldage, seed yieldage, fiber yieldage of, um, you know, particular crops. But you're pointing at something that's totally legal. It's very similar in cellulose content and as far as look um, to hemp. And you're saying that this could potentially be an amazingly uh, viable crop that we could start studying to show and, and kind of bridge people over to hemp. And that, that plant is canaf, correct? Yes. Yes. The canaf plant, uh, technical term is hibiscus cannabinus. Um, it's related to okra and cotton, whereas hemp is in the hop family. But um, taking aside edible seed products and CBDs from hemp, on the biomass and industrial applications of hemp, I call CANAF same-same for everything that America produces in volume. And that's not textiles, but we don't really do a lot with textiles in the U.S. anymore, and we should very much so support the importation of hemp textiles. But as far as the plastics, Mm -hmm. the building products, car bodies, insulation, uh, growing mats, all these various industrial-style products that um, people are, are promoting industrial hemp for, we could go ahead and grow as much of these products out of CANAF in the United States as we want to because it's legal. There's no uh, marijuana connotations associated with it whatsoever. And, and that America and the world use CANAF. Not only have we studied it, for displacing oil and synthetic fibers, but the world uses CANAF. It has stable infrastructure, and it's had billions and billions of dollars dumped into the research and development of it. And the same practices Hmm. hold true with CANAF as industrial hemp when you're looking at plant density, um, harvesting, processing, and product application. Interesting. So, so how does it grow? Like, is it a very similar life cycle, growing cycle as hemp? And is it grow as tall as hemp? Like, I think I've seen cannabis. Do do the leaves the leaves actually kind of look like cannabis? Don't they? There are, are two um, varieties of leaf patterns. One resembles the cannabis. If you look at mm-hmm. it closely, it does look different. But the other one has mm-hmm. a leaf that more so just looks like a maple leaf or okra or cotton. No, no serrated okay. edges. Right. And, and yes, CANAF, um, when I say same, same, it also, you're looking at 70 to 100 days in the ground for a fiber crop. Um, you're looking at the same water needs or less. And many people who know CANAF well will step out and say that CANAF sequesters more carbon monoxide than hemp requires less Hmm. water to grow than hemp. 
but but with hemp and canaf, what what really becomes powerful is not just how how little water it takes or pesticides it takes to grow, but when you start to displace other raw materials used in production, you're furthermore eliminating the the use of water for uh, that needs processed to be pure, uh, more other fuels and different things in the chain. So that's where these biomass plants really become powerful, not just in the growth, mm-hmm. but in the application. Right. So how much does, you know, the, if, you, if a farmer wanted to start investing in canaf who is very interested in hemp and, you know, growing industrial hemp, but they have the fear of the federal government coming in and shutting them down, what, you know, and, and they, they're like, wow, this seems like a, a really great segue or, you know, a bridge. I'll start growing canaf, get my fields ready and, you know, get familiar yeah. with this fiber crop and then eventually switch over once the federal government catches up with the rest of the world. Um, yeah. What what would they have to invest? Like what would be an initial kind of investment to start growing canaf? Well, absolutely. And um, for today as well, we have the the fees. So if someone were jumping out there even at a 100-acre level, let alone 3,000, but at 100 acres, your fee structure would be too cumbersome to grow industrial hemp for product application. So, but whereas on the legal side of CANAF, it's freely flowing around the world. You can actually buy seed in bulk as low as under $3 a pound and the high mm-hmm. for, for folks who want to sell you seed and work with you on programs can be $8 a pound. And mm-hmm. these have, and so you know, with a farmer, he can get insurance for his crops. There are um, remediation elements that can be used on the crop. You know, so with mm-hmm. one growing hemp, they're just not out there growing where they can't apply anything because of the USDA standards or anything. But with mm-hmm. hemp and canaf, we still have the problem of processing. Sure, a farmer yes. can jump out there and economically grow this crop, but We've got but to is have there an processing. outlet? Right. Now, the processing mm-hmm. is the glitch. You're talking about millions of dollars. Yeah. Which is not also not hard to do with CANAF because you can build the business proposals, pitch the solution to companies who will grow the vertical supply chain and things mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, a farmer somewhere in a corn state where they have plastics industry MDF board manufacturers, even biofuels or biomass energy mm-hmm. plants, they can actually jump out there and we can see 10,000 acres of CANAF in a state this coming April. Right, because there is the machinery to, to do those types of applications. Yeah, and so the costs that people are drawing up for what it would take to grow hemp in these, in these volume means apply to CANAF. It's just less. Mm-hmm. For you know, getting wow. the seed, there's no permits. The the theory I spoke about less water, uh, the quick growth rate, mm-hmm. and all these things. So, so is it farmer, physically? I know we mm-hmm. yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, so in the end of it, you know, a farmer can step out on his own and grow this stuff, and also bring in some simple processing machinery, and. Um, it really helps if there's production in the area. And these are all things that I love to work with people on 
to determine the feasibility and viability of their desires mm-hmm. and intentions. Exactly. So you had mentioned the, the physical characteristics of kind of the leaf shape and the fact that it's like almost um, similar, it's very similar to hemp in the cellulose content, I think in upwards of 70% plus cellulose. So, you know, for, as you said, the plastic applications or composite applications, me, medium density fiberboard or biomass. Um, mm-hmm. what, so does it physically grow like hemp as far as the stalks? Are they growing really close together and like anywhere from an inch to two, three inches in diameter? Is that, and it grows as tall as hemp? Is that, is that kind of how it would look in the field? Yes. Yes. And we, so we partook in a lot of this process in the early mid nineties on the East coast where we were educating farmers who were growing, going to grow the canaf for us um, in that some of the, varieties we were growing looked much like the hemp. So we were educating the farmers, the sheriffs, the politicians, the business people mm-hmm. all on this plant because they were going, hey, how are you able to grow this marijuana, first of all? So we got to begin the discussion with that. And, and mm. the farmers were all very impressed at the growth rate of this stuff. It does grow same, same as industrial hemp. If, if you're growing it for seed, the density is further apart. If you're growing it for fibers, and per the mm-hmm. cultivar, you would space it accordingly. But, yes, within um, your growing season, 70 to 100 days, you will see 12 to 20-foot tall stalks, depending on what you're growing, wow. where you're growing at, what you're growing for. And, and so the density and the seed cultivar, a lot of times, will determine your, the amount of fibers, the amount of core realized in the growing season. And, and a lot of people in canaf know that the canaf produces more fibers than hemp on average. So we can see more products hmm. like insulation, composite panels for vehicles, and things like that with the canaf as well. I wouldn't step out of mm-hmm. there to call it textile grade in any way, but we can make mm-hmm. some burlaps and canvases out of it. But that's where mm-hmm. hemp comes in. Let hemp be the, text, the new fiber of world textile. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So but what yes, countries are purposes? Same yeah. thing. Sorry. It looks very similar, right? Mm-hmm. So what countries are currently the leaders of, of growing canaf? Um, Do you well, have an idea? The leader, the leader in canaf is China, not solely because it grows much of it, but because it spearheads the growth of it in other nations like Philippines, Malaysia, even India. Mm-hmm. But for most mm-hmm. canaf knowledge and use today, I would say Bangladesh, India, Malaysia mm-hmm. are okay. the ones that most use it and are most, most currently are they, knowledgeable about it. And, and are they currently growing it for, for fiber, uh, like textile application, or what, what's their main uses? Yes, most of it is for fiber um, over the years. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it for the research on um, all the automobile applications and plastic mm-hmm. stuff like that. And actually today, a lot of people are looking for things to do with the canaf core overseas. They haven't caught wind of um, using these things for plastics and the papers, which they still use, or packaging, or even remediating water in a, a water treatment facility. 
You can add wow. the pulverized core and microbial heal waste treatment. Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of like with industrial hemp, you can create a biochar. I don't know yeah. if that's what – it sounds like they're using just the raw fiber itself before doing anything to it. Um, but, yeah, the, the carbon I hear is very, you know, great filter for both air and water. So that's great. Yes, the biochar is a whole other magical issue. Yeah, totally. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, how feasible this is. You know, let's say someone who's a farmer listening to this show or a business um, type person, entrepreneur who wants to start investing in growing canaf, what would you say would be like a one, two, three step process that they would need to get started on? I mean, obviously they would need some land. They, you know, what, what would you say would be kind of like a, just an initial easy one, two, three process to get started with growing canaf with the idea that they're going to be switching over to hemp? Okay. Um, it's tough to say which, which one comes first, but um, one can look at it from the stance of importation to show viability for the growth of canaf in an area. Mm-hmm. Or they can look in their area, their state or region, and see industry and then determine how much volume of the the processed raw materials these industries can purchase and reverse engineer the problem. Once you determine how much raw materials can be consumed, you can begin to realize how much acreage you can put in the ground and the costs associated with that. And within establishing Mm -hmm. not just new business but new agricultural activities, there's – Um, a smorgasbord of funding available for these types of projects. So the farmer, Mm -hmm. the business entity doesn't have to go it alone. So it's, it's uh, hard to know, you know, which part to put first, but Mm -hmm. they're all not very hard. My, my main messages to people over the years is that it's not as hard as others make it out to be. We simply have to show Mm -hmm. viability, whether that comes from, moving products that already exist or having the ability to establish new props and product production in your area. Right. So really so finding out what, what are the needs, what are, what are the demands and, and scaling up for, for, for the demands essentially. Sure. Cause I, if I can give a, maybe a for instance or two. Mm-hmm. So on, on the high volume production and buyers, of the raw material side, you'll have um, one producer will blow through a thousand tons a day of raw materials. Well, that's where it can mm-hmm. fit in. And on the other end, uh, one who uses fibers to create products in the U.S. maybe goes through one ton of fibers a day. And these are companies which more times than not can still input a material like canaf. So if we can just get them that fiber producer 10 tons a day or that core user 100 tons a day, we're giving them a value-added product, not switching them over to 100% canaf or hemp products, but we're also showing the viability of why we need more of that in the area. Got it. Wow. Well, this show went by so quick. We only have about two minutes left. <laughs> Can you share with our audience how they can get in touch with you? What's the best way if, if they want to, you know, 
um, consult with you or, you know, use, use your services and, and um, get in touch with you? Great. Thank you. I'm always available by phone at 213-572-7351 because conversation is the best way forward. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm not here for the money. I'm here for the people. And also you can reach mm-hmm. me at hemp mayor, hemp and the mayor of your town at gmail.com. And I'm all over the web. Perfect. Yeah, you are. I see you jumping into all these different forums and groups and, and commenting and sharing your wisdom. And I really appreciate the connection. Do you have uh, any final thoughts or you know, last words that you'd like to share with our audience in the last 60 seconds? Well, thank you. If, if Americans just bought more hemp, we would see a hemp nation. $640 million a year in hemp sales in America is not even a drop in a bucket. Let's see four or, four, four or five times more than that in hemp sales in the United States. Eat hemp, wear hemp, and get others to do the same. That's the only way we will see industrial hemp in the United States. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. This is your entrepreneurial host, Tyler Hemp with Hemp Aware Radio. Adam, thank you again for your wisdom and, and uh, for sharing this insightful uh, knowledge about CANAF. Hopefully some folks uh, take heed to this and start putting it to work as soon as possible so we can switch over to hemp and, and uh, empower the planet together. Yes, put tools to work. Thank you, Tyler. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Peace out.